eyes peeled, everyone. It's time for the full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Welcome to the Full 10 Yards Scouting Podcast, back for another week after a really, really good podcast last week, flipping back over to the offensive side after our safeties podcast last week, and we're taking on the big hog mold, we're taking on the interior offensive line this week. Uh, we're joined by Andy, Liam and Rob. Uh, Kieran's not joining us, joining us uh, maybe later on if his internet sorts itself out, but we're not really sure about that, he's kind of just disappeared. Um, but lads, it's um, obviously a big week in college football, moving on, on to the championship week and we're getting into the gear of this now, we're getting right into the flow of our scouting podcast, bringing out some really good material for everyone. It's exciting times, isn't it man? It's all, mm. uh, yeah, like, all, like feels like draft season now, the Dolphins and stuff are out of the, out of the playoffs and we're just, just ready to go, all, all in, committed. <laughs> what are we like, what we're 50% out, 50% in now, we're amongst the four of us, so... Yeah, draft season for me and you, mate, and these two guys have uh, got another week or so, I think. Left yeah, to... just, just another week for both of them, I think. <laughs> you're talking about it's going to be a Seahawks cult Super Bowl. I don't know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Super Bowl next week. So, yeah, we've got your five top linemen and then a few sleepers as well, as always. Um, but let's move around the table as we always do, or as we have done the last couple of weeks anyway. Guys, what are we looking for in top offensive linemen in the middle of the line? Um, and uh, Andy, I'll come to you first. Yeah, so I think mainly for me, it's like obviously the physical aspects will probably be covered by all of us, but the kind of vision uh, as well, just to pick up the pick up the blitz. And I think that my guy this week particularly struggles with that. So that that seems to be vital. Um, obviously, uh, you know, in a modern NFL game, again, I'll, I'll refer back to the Dolphins, like with the kind of confusing cover zero sort of coverage and bringing uh, DBs and, and linebackers through the coverage. I like my my interior guys to be able to pick that up, hand the man off and uh, and really like clamp down and protect the quarterback that way. Uh, and then obviously um, I'm a massive fan of watching these guys in the run game. It's just so like, it's, it's just such a unique sporting thing. I mean, you get the kind of prima donna, uh, athletes every other sport don't you like and, and this this is the kind of only thing apart from maybe rugby where you get that two powerful guys just there to go up against each other non-stop for, for a whole hour and it's uh, fantastic to watch yeah so in the run game we're like massive powerful legs forcing uh, the D-line backwards driving them into the floor uh, and just really looking for them to finish all of their reps as well and you know just create the holes for for the playmakers to do their thing mm, absolutely Rob what about yourself yeah, I'm, uh, Andy summed that up very nicely. What I look for in an offensive lineman, is obviously we're talking about guys who are sort of plus 300 pounds. These are big, big dudes. Um, I'm looking for dudes who can use that power to their advantage. Um, you know, it's I'm, I'm nearly 300 pounds. Um, I would not be able to stand on an offensive line and be effective. I'd be able to sit down and let someone run over me but um i'm looking for these people to use that 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 side to their advantage to to bully defensive linemen out of the way to uh, to create running lanes for for running backs um so yes it's it's key for me that that i see that that size being put to good use. That's what I look for first and foremost when it comes to offensive linemen. And of someone who's a Notre Dame fan and an indie fan, this position is something that I've come to really love the last three or four years. Um, obviously Notre Dame had a fantastic line um, since Quentin Nelson came out and, and, it goes straight to Indy um, uh, where it's been rebranded there. Um, so, yeah, it's been a, a position of interest for me. And like I said, that's the, that's the first thing that I go to. Can this guy use his size to his advantage? Mm. Yeah, definitely held up as the poster boy now for this uh, position, isn't he, really, of, of, of yeah. interior offensive line for sure. Yeah, yeah. And uh, before I chime in, Liam, what about yourself? Anything to add to what the boys have said there? I um I agree with uh, what Rob says about the weight. These guys, especially in the interior, they're the biggest guys out there on the, the football field. So they're using their weight on the front foot, a good anchor. Unlike Rob, I'm not going to speculate about what would happen if I was to go on an offensive line because it doesn't bear thinking about. But, um, um, uh, um, they're, yeah, good anchor and pass protection. I love uh, guys that are really just difficult to move and obviously um, – technique body shape um to what andy was saying play recognition as well pre-snap good communicator and a good leader in the middle um good movement as well um i think uh, other than that i'm just going to be repeating what we've already said 
I think one thing that I won't repeat from from you guys, because like you say, you three of you have summed up really nicely, but I think you kind of kind of alluded it to it, but I want my offensive linemen, especially in the middle, to be dickheads. I want them yeah. to be like assholes. I want them to like really bully people. And obviously Quentin Nelson's like the king of that. Um and that's what I have. I have However, nicest my... guy off the field, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's it. I don't, don't the field, you know, yeah. whether they won the cross the right line kind of mentality, and then you just want them to be able to bury a guy. You know what I mean? It's what's that thing that Quentin Nelson said where he just wants to break someone's will or something like that. That's exactly what you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's him. And he also screams at defensive players as well. I don't know yeah. if you've seen the highlights of him screaming, but he literally <laughs> screams at players as they're coming towards him to put them off. He does it on mm. purpose. Yeah, yeah that's it. There's nothing better than um, a guard, especially that can just maul someone and that can they can just just finish. And I do, I agree. I mark up guys. There's been a few guys over the years that, uh, yeah, I, uh, I grade highly just for that and just finishes mm. and just want to just maul people. Mm. Yeah, I've got a, a little spot on my sheet that I grade people on for demeanour and nastiness. I might call it prick factor or something like that. It's you know, you just want to see people bury them. That's exactly it. Quentin Nelson has said the the poster boy for this position now. Um, who's who wants to start us off then? I've got two guys, so I won't go first. Hands in the air. From Liam, I'll go let you go first. Go on then. Yeah, we'll start. Um, we'll start right in the middle with uh, the centre. I think a guy is actually probably going to be the top centre uh, in this draft. Uh, Sir Creed Humphrey from uh, Oklahoma, six foot five, approximately three hundred and twenty pounds. Attended Shawnee High School in Oklahoma, so he's Oklahoma boy, and uh, as he's said uh, regularly, happy uh, as to be a, happy as soon as he could to have been a sooner, as he said. Um, he has a wrestling background, um, which is uh, of note to uh, his uh, technique, and it, it really shows with uh, his understanding of um, body movement, not just his own, but how to move an opponent, um, lateral movement, side-to-side movement when when facing a block. Really, really good. Just a few uh, extra details and some pros to his game. Uh, he uh, redshirted his freshman year. Uh, then... Uh, Ever since uh, second year in 2018, he's played on the uh, Sooners line. Uh, they lost a bunch of talent in that 2018 year. In fact, I think he was the only guy uh, from the starting line that returned uh, for 2019. Um, and then he's uh, started in the centre of the last 36 games uh, uh, on the uh, Oklahoma line. Uh, two-time Big 12 O-lineman of the year uh, for the last two years. Um, like I said, I touched on uh, wrestling background, just um, a big pro of him is just his out and out strength uh, to what we've said about what we look for. Um, just really good in upper body and lower bodies, so hard to move uh, and will also move you if he gets the opportunity to and does it really easily. Um, really good IQ. He's a really, really smart player. It's a big pro with him. Um, he quickly reads and anticipates where defensive um rush defensive plays are coming from whether that's against the pass or against the run um it gets into position really really quickly um really good leadership skills as well it's a really big uh thing especially with sensors that you like to see them communicating pre-snap and to the left and to the right up and down their o-line um something that's been mentioned a lot is that he's uh, a lefty uh snaps the ball with uh left hand um might be a pro or a con in some cases uh, depending on which uh, NFL uh, offensive line coaches uh, want to look at him. Um, he's playing and has always played with right-handed quarterbacks, so it shouldn't really be too much of a problem. Um, the uh, In uh, run game, he's really, really good. Um, the Oklahoma run game has got better and better this season, and I think he's a big part of that, especially when you see uh, the run game between the blocks in the middle of the line. Um, pass protection, he's completely solid um i think in fact i think he's played over 1200 snaps for oklahoma and hasn't given up a single sack so um got to be probably the top center in the in the draft um and when i uh scouted him watching him i haven't really made too many notes that are cons um i'll just mention a, a couple because that's all i've got really um i've put that he's just he's not as smooth run blocking downhill as he is in pass protection so that's just moving uh, kind of up the, the field in, into free space, just looking for blocks. It's more the fact that he's quite slow, just slow to move downfield in, into blocks, which means that he's probably not the most athletic guy in the position, which will probably show up at the combine. 
I've noted that I just hope people won't drop him down uh, big boards too much for that because um, I think he's just got a bit of everything um, apart from that slight knock on on his athleticism. Um, when we were picking prospects for this episode, I was asked about Trey Smith because uh, I think everyone seems to know I, I, I quite like Trey Smith, but I was really happy to take Humphrey. Um, I think he's really top player. I think uh, the last mock draft we did, I mocked him in the top 20. I really think that's where his, his talent level is. And even though it's not the most uh, headline worthy pick to pick a, a centre, I think he's, he's uh, Creed Humphrey, Oklahoma as well worth uh, top 20 consideration. I think he's that good. Yeah, I completely agree with a lot with what you said there, Liam. He's a real top prospect. Were you a bit surprised that he didn't come out last year? Because he was thought of in this regard last year, wasn't yeah. he, really? Yeah, and there's been guys that have um, have started off strong and kind of dipped. Um, Tyler Biadis in Wisconsin comes to mind. Mm-hmm. He got really, really good grades for kind of his first and then sophomore seasons and then dipped. Um, Creed Humphrey hasn't. He's just, he's sustained his, his level. And uh, yeah, I wouldn't have minded at all him coming out last year. But um, he's had another really, really good season and I stock shouldn't be affected at all. No, I agree. Yeah, it's. I guess it's good to put that sample size on tape, isn't it? Again, for another year, and um, like you say, as long as the gamble pays off, it's it's be better for him, isn't it? He's yeah, stronger for the experience. Like I say, I mentioned um, that the run game. I think that there's a lot of areas where um, Oklahoma really improved offensively as the season went on, and obviously Spencer Rattler getting the hang of things in the passing game, and um, the uh, group of wide receivers they got fairly young guys, but. Um, yeah, that O-line has been really, really solid, really, really helped, and he's the leader of it all and then mm. the best of the bunch. Yeah, they'll, they'll miss him, won't they, when he, when he comes out this year? Hopefully he does. I don't think he has declared, do you know, I've not seen. Uh, he has. Yeah, he, he has, has declared. Okay, brilliant. Yep. Okay, that's good. Yeah, like you say, top centre in there, back end of the first round, at the start of the second, perhaps. Would you say that it's an advantage if you're left-handed snap into a left-handed quarterback? Uh, you're thinking of the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> There's no other left-handed quarterbacks, is there? <laughs> I don't think, anyway. Not starting, certainly. It's interesting because it's been mentioned and it's been kind of mentioned among the the drafting community as whether or not it is a pro or con, but he's always snapped to right-handers, so it shouldn't be an issue. Mm. Um, it will obviously, the flip side of it is a right-handed quarterback, then having to learn with him, it may take a bit more time. Um, although kind of like snaps out the shotgun where the, the ball shouldn't be moving too much, it might not be too much of a difference. Mm. I I can't see it being a, a, a kind of a big con on him or, mm. or a huge adjustment. No. Just as we had alluded to it, Andy, I'll bring you in at the moment. Would it be the sort of position that you'd be looking at as a Dolphins fan, like the top of the second round, maybe? Uh, possibly. Obviously, there's a lot of skill position need on the offensive side of the ball as well for <clears throat> for the Dolphins. But um, the, the line does need a boost. Um, we've got Ted Karras in there at the moment, who's kind of been uh, was New England's backup for a couple of years and then uh, started in 2019 before coming to us. Um, he's out of contract uh, this this off-season uh, now, basically. So, um, obviously, if he comes back, then that'll kind of rule us out of that uh, market for now, I would have thought. But, um, yeah, a bit, a bit more than open to it. I think we need it. We need it because, uh, you know, reconfirmed tour at starter, got to do everything we can to, to build around him and, and these kind of pieces are vital, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just um, thinking about it in terms of Tua and, and, yeah, left-handed snapper to left-handed quarterback. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Tua has probably played with right-handed centres his whole career. So matching him up with a left-handed centre would suddenly probably um, be suddenly different and awkward for Tua, even though it sounds like the right thing to do. Yeah, it's weird because he's actually right-handed as well, like in, in everyday life, but he just taught to play the quarterback position left-handed. So, it, it's, I mean, as much as we... Uh, yeah, it'd probably be it'd be interesting to see how it worked, but um, I, I think he's quite ambidextrous and, and you know quite happy to to go either way. Mm. Fair play. Scratch that conversation then after I brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> no, mate, all good. It's worth thinking about it. <laughs> Rob, we'll bring you in for the next guy because we kept you a bit mm. quiet there. I was, well, I was just thinking that I'm I'm also ambidextrous. I could do fuck all with both hands. Um, anyway, let's uh, crack on then. Uh, I'll take the uh, what I who I have down on my board as the top rated guard. Uh, I think a lot of us do. Looking at our mocks, our first mocks that we did way back when, I think we've all got him down as our first guard off the board potentially. Um, and that is Wyatt Davis from uh, Ohio State. Um, 
he was from is from California. Uh, he went to Son St John Bosco High School. Um, coming out of 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 high school, he was um, the number one recruited offensive lineman in the country, number twenty four overall recruit in the country. Um, so very very highly thought after coming out of the sco- uh, high school. He's the grandson of Willie Davis. Fun fact for you, uh, Willie Davis uh, was a defensive end for for Vince Lombardi's Packers. He's a Hall of Fame member, and unfortunately, we lost him in April last year. Um, but yeah, he, he'll go down as, as one of the greats uh, in, in play the game. And this is his grandson. Um, uh, like I said, a big a top recruit coming out of high school, and the offers were a plenty for him um you name the big school they were in for him uh i listed the top 10 auburn georgia alabama oregon notre dame florida usc ucla michigan oklahoma ohio state that is the <laughs> you know that was who was after him um so speaks a lot about his pedigree and about what was expected out of him out of, out of high school and he's delivered He's had a pretty good college career, to be quite honest. Uh, it was hard to find tape on him for this year. Obviously, there's only been eight or nine games. However, lack of games, Ohio State have needed to get to the championship final. That's another conversation for another day. Um, nonetheless, uh, you know, White Davis has been fantastic on that offensive line. Um, he's got first team All-American honours in 2019. Big Ten Network All-Decade first team Um He's also got two consensus All-Americans, uh, two first-team All-Big Tens. Um, yeah, he's just littered in awards uh, for what he's been able to do um, at the college level. Just going through my notes here, uh, pros and cons. Um, his I've written down here his unmatched length for a guard, um, his excellent reach, superb hand placement. Uh, he uses his good technique to, to pin defensive linemen back, um, stop them getting to the quarterback. He's got a fantastic mauling presence up front, which helps him create bigger running lanes. Uh, he possesses a great understanding of running concepts, so it's not all about the physicals. He's got it up in the brain as well, which is, uh, I think Andy said, is, is something that you need, you know, it's good to see, uh, you know, using his, using his head and being clever with the play as well as being physically dominating. Uh, he's got good lateral, lateral mobility and power, smooth feet. Uh, he's, got the, uh, the, 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 he's got the athleticism uh, to play in multiple schemes as well, which is quite an attractive trait uh, for Wyatt Davis. Um, there's a, the pros outweigh the cons. Um, you know, let's put it that way. That's why you know he's, he's down as a first rounder. And I think he will be. There is a few cons, not many. Um, he can get he can get ahead of himself. Uh, he can almost outrun the play. Um, you know, which is weird for a, for a guy who is six four, three hundred and ten pounds. Um, but he can you know mentally he can get ahead of the play before it happens. Um, He's aggressive. He's an aggressive player, which is like we said. We we like to see that. We like to see a bit of a dickhead on you know on that line. Um, but sometimes it needs to be. I use the word tempered, but I don't know if I mean tempered because sometimes he can sort of get a bit overexcited, fall forward um, into defensive alignment, which is obviously offering uh, sort of counter moves to get to the quarterback. So that's something that he could work on. Um, when dropping into pass protection, he can sink a bit too deep, which can allow unnecessary pressure to the quarterback. Um, and he can struggle to adjust when on the move. Uh, all of these things are easily fixable at the next level. Um and White Davis is going to get drafted probably in the top half of the first round, uh, I expect. And he's going to fit in like a glove to to a lot of offensive offensive line needy teams in the NFL. Um, when I was going through this scouting process and looking at the guy I'm going to speak about later, it was there's a lot of teams that need offensive linemen. That's one of the biggest holes in the league right now. There's so many teams that need players. That's why players like Warren, uh, White Davis, who's probably the best of the class, arguably, I think he is personally, um, is going to go top half of the first round and yeah, expect him to be great at the next level. Yeah, you, you definitely right. <laughs> that has a lot of offensive line needy teams. Yeah, um, my my team included in that for sure. Hope that we uh, grab a couple, um, one interior, one exterior at least um, in the draft. I noticed that when I was looking at a little bit about Wyatt Davis, well, he's got a basketball background as well, which helps with that footwork that you mentioned as well. So, yes, yes. You know, we mentioned multi sport athletes a lot as we've been going through, and you're having that basketball background, I think, for offensive linemen keeps them light on the feet and, like I said, that lateral mobility 
um, skills are like really honed as well. You probably saw quite a lot of that, I guess, when you were um, watching yeah. him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and can you just imagine? Can you imagine playing basketball against a six four, three hundred and ten pound guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Absolutely nuts. Yeah, no, it all helps. Um, and like I said, he's he's got a technique which is pretty much refined. Um, you know, there's not a lot that he needs to do with that technique to make it into the NFL. So he's. I know you hate the term, and I'm beginning to hate the term NFL ready, Lee. But um, but uh, yeah, he, he is that. He's 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 ready to go up to the NFL because he's got the the natural ability and the traits uh, to, mm. to make the the natural progression. Yeah, definitely a plug and play starter, as they say. I feel. Um, I'm going to go next because I've got a couple of guys. I'm going to like Andy Sandwich, um, my two Alabama guys. I'm going to start off back in the centre. I'm going to go to London Dickerson. Um, watched three games, which is really impressed with this guy. Um, a player that you should be familiar with, actually, Andy. Started at FSU. Um, five-star interior offensive lineman. Um, was out of North Carolina um, originally, so not a local product. Uh, was enticed away to the big talent factory down south. And I didn't mean FSU there, mate. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I worked that one in there. It was mean of me. Um, but yeah, started Stop FSU it. and uh, had a lot of injuries, actually. And he's continued, and I'll come on to my weaknesses, and that is one big concern about it. Um, but gained loads of experience at guard centre. And one of my big notes that I've got about Landon Dickerson is he, he epitomises what I was saying at the top of the podcast, really. He wants to put someone in the ground. He doesn't care. He wants, doesn't want you to be across from him. He wants to make you go away and make you eat some grass, really. Um, really, really strong player. Uh, I think Liam mentioned a lot about anchor. Um, something that I was going to mention quite a lot. Um, both my guys have got incredible anchors, to be honest with you, especially the, the second guy that I'm going to talk about. And I feel like he works really well within the unit. I think, obviously, we've talked about Alabama's offensive line being, the, the, you know, just a unit in itself. You know, they've got a lot of names. You know, we, we might mention Alex Leatherwood uh, in a later podcast. Um, obviously, the left tackle used to play a bit of guard as well. Uh, but Dickerson anchors this this unit really, really well. Um, snaps right-handed, if we're, if we're bringing that up. Um, offers a lot of help on double teams. Um, you're with with the second guy. I'm going to try and ruin my second guy. Um, and with just going back to snaps, there's no issues with snaps. I've not seen any like high snaps or anything like that in the three games that I watched. I'm sure there probably are one or two, but um, doesn't seem like it's a problem. Seems pretty natural at centre uh, for me. And as we mentioned, that intelligence to kind of keep his head on the swivel and um, like I say, help with double teams and give extra push in the run game when backing up his uh, his guards and pulling around uh, in, in the run game to the second level. In terms of his posture, when, when he plays and still going on to strengths, he's got really good knee bend, uh, plays in quite a hunched down position, doesn't play really upright, plays behind his pads and, and that gives him good leverage. And we were talking about Creed Humphrey and that wrestling background. I'm not too sure if Dickerson's got that, but it definitely seems to be able to understand leverage and the way he's directing people. And he's got incredible power to be able to redirect defensive linemen uh, in both the run and the pass game. So yeah, super impressed with that. Uh, on to the weaknesses. Not overly athletic, you know. We, we kind of saw a lot of athletic linemen, especially for the size um, last year. I don't see Dixon in that sort of class. I almost see a guy who looks like he's running through quicksand when he's trying to get to the second level and trying to pull around on blocks. I mean, he's not slow, but he's not super athletic either. So he's not going to be pulling center uh, in the next in the next level in the NFL level. So he's not going to be scheme. Uh, a massive scheme fit for some teams who like to do that sort of thing. Uh, the Chargers being one who always like to get the guards and centers out on pulling, uh, pulling in on run in the runs. So he kind of stays in his comfort zone. I think what Liam said before, he doesn't really climb to the second level. He kind of just stays in his space and just kind of wards people off. Really, he doesn't kind of look to get there probably because he doesn't feel like he's got the athleticism to do that. Um, my biggest red flag, as I mentioned earlier, quite sizable one really is he's had four season-ended injuries at some degree or another. I've just suffered one the other week, obviously, as Alabama played there. Um, was it their final? Was it their um, championship game, should I say? And that, obviously, when he's coming up against bigger, stronger, faster offensive, sorry, defensive linemen in the NFL level, I'd be a bit worried about his knees holding up again because I think he's had two season-end knee injuries, one at Florida State, one at Alabama, and then a couple of minor injuries that have ended his season early. So with him being quite linear, not a lot of flexibility in his joints anyway, I'm not a bit not I'm a bit concerned about that being a big problem injury-wise. So I think that's going to have a massive detriment in my grading. I think I'm going to give him a day two grade. But he's still a good player, he's very talented, but I'm just really worried about these injuries holding up in the NFL. Yeah, I always thought um one of obviously the better players on on what's been a terrible line uh, in FSU in recent years, but 
Um, I think the the interesting thing, uh, one of the things we didn't really talk about uh, in what we were looking for at the beginning was the kind of like prospects that these guys have gone up against. And and like you say, obviously, it's going to get bigger and, and better players in the NFL. But I think the FSU kind of background um, going up against some of the uh, talented guys in the in the ACC and then switching into the SEC as well. He's, he's seen a lot of things and that, that kind of experience to me is quite... Um, quite attractive. I don't mm. like, you know, the, the kind of one and done guys at, at guard and on the line are a bit, you know, they're quite worrying, especially if they move like position and then do one season, then go into the draft. That's always a bit worrying. So I, I, I'm a fan. I could get behind him uh, handing the ball off the tour for sure. Mm. Yeah, I, I thought he was good. Don't get me wrong. Um, it's just these injuries really um, do worry me. You know, like that, this versatility of playing guard and centre is also very attractive as well. Um, because especially when you get into day two and day three, you want that versatility, don't you? My sleeper's played all five positions, and that's one of the reasons why I had him as my sleeper, to be honest, but more of that later on. Uh, but yeah, no, I was impressed, like I say, but a, bit, a linear athlete, and um, yeah, like I said, a thousand times now, but really worried about the injuries. Um, Andy, I'll bring you in for, for your guy, and then I'll, I'll switch on to my second Alabama guy. Yeah, cheers, mate. Yeah, uh, Trey Smith for me, which I know Liam uh, mentioned earlier, so I'm sure he's got uh, things to chip in as well. But um yeah, I mean, fifth overall prospect in 2017's class, five-star recruit, very uh, highly sought after. Um, I'll start off with the kind of medical stuff because that's the that's it's like you know a bit interesting and, and shows the adversities had to overcome as well. Uh, he's come back from blood clots on the lungs, uh, I think, in 2018, which um, you know never good that, and and fantastic to see him back playing after they said he might not be able to do that. Also overcome the the tragic death of his of his mum in a from a disease that's linked to those kind of blood clot issues on on the lungs and and that sort of thing. So um, the guy's got like character in. in in bags to be honest and it's going to be one of those ones when they're doing the draft and it's you know it like plays up the tragic side of things a bit it's going to be one of them guys and you can all bank on bank on that a bit but but completely fair place him because he's he's obviously a complete rock and a community community champion in Tennessee at the moment I mean he's been rolling in awards um you know athlete of the year uh, in Tennessee uh and then on on the on the pitch he's first team all SEC second team all American um you know, all this kind of stuff plays into the character side of things and he's obviously a bit of a leader. So, uh, big fan straight off the bat. Um, physically, six foot six, 330 pounds. He's pretty intimidating for an interior guy um, and he's played alongside some some NFL calibre talent on that Tennessee Lions, I think I mentioned in the normal pod earlier in the year as well. So, big fan uh, of that kind of experience. He gets out and connects at the second level really well. I think he like, tracks his man uh, Builds a lane for, for for the running back. Um, big fan of that that aspect of the game. Also very kind of powerful at the line of scrimmage in the run game. Uh, his legs are absolutely huge, and and if you watch that, he just drives and drives for days. So, you know, you're gonna if you've got like that feature back to to, to put him behind, then he's your guy to build those uh, running lanes behind. Um, I think he because of that that lower body strength, he anchors fantastically. Just kind of holds his man. And uh, and you know doesn't give any ground when when he's set and and you know stood tall. Uh, very strong hands. Um, I really like watching O Lyman just punch the <laughs> the guy that's running at them. It's quite satisfying, isn't it? Especially when you just see that guy like take a step back and and kind of stutter in the run as if. And I mean, I can't even imagine taking one of those hits. Just they're so casual as well. I mean, just not me flying, but but his his punches really stood out to me. And you know knocking back the, the D lineman rushing him and then he that's when he capitalizes he sees on it and drives it drives them forward and and really builds the bit builds the, the lane for the running back um but but I must admit uh, there's quite a few red flags or well, there's one massive red flag for me on tape um and Liam I don't I'd be interested to see if you agree with me on this but it's that kind of awareness of the blitz uh sometimes it's like almost embarrassing because <laughs> like the, the the linebacker or the or the, the defensive back will just like rush past him and, and he just even flinch and it's i think that kind of spatial awareness is quite worrying for me um i mean yeah like obviously that's going to be a massive thing in the nfl and if people can seize on that and and <laughs> see that often and regular then it's not going to be able to play at this level. But um, other kind of things for me, sometimes leans a bit too much into his pass block. Uh, sometimes leaning, you know, like all he needs then is a strong hand to, to bat his hands away and, and people are behind him. And his foot speed isn't fantastic when he's kind of resetting himself uh, after the initial contact and getting around to square off the, the block. So 
Um, well, it's difficult because I really like the, the man. I really like the, the prospect and the leader. Um, he's obviously got some really good uh, attributes as well. And, you know, five-star athlete, he's not no slouch whatsoever. But those kind of little red flags and the massive one on the on the blitz awareness is is quite worrying for me and then you add in the kind of medical aspect obviously he's overcome the the blood clots on the lungs back in 2018 and played full season since then but um i'll just be looking to do as much detail like detailed research as i could be yeah that's that's about it for me i think i think second round is is like likely where he goes i think I've, i i mean i think i've put a third round prospect on him um if he can like work if if coaches are happy they can work on the awareness issues but um, i think he goes second round because of the f- physical attributes mm. Liam, we'll bring you in because obviously you mentioned him have you got anything to add to or, or disagree with what andy said there no nothing nothing to disagree with at all like um andy was talking about his his Negative. So a positive I've got on him is that he can contribute to an NFL run game from day one. And I worded it run game because in pass, there's like where his biggest knocks are, like body positioning and footwork in pass protection is something that I've got a a con on, which is exactly to what Andy was just saying. It's the awareness of it. Um, Side to side movement is a little bit shaky as well. I think he actually played quite a bit at offensive tackle earlier in his career and has been moved inside. And when you see, um, like Andy said, the the cons on him are mostly in the past game. It's, you can you can see why, but I really like him. And uh, I'm kind of, uh, he'll be one of those guys that I'll be rooting for um, to, to kind of get into the first round. Um, kind of, you know, guy, a team that can run the ball really well, really like him inside. I think uh, the last mock draft we did, I mocked him to the Ravens. Um, just because it, it kind of fitted, and another teammate like the Titans are the obvious when you, when you think run first offenses. I mean, he'll fit right in to the middle of their offensive line the way they run the ball. Yeah, absolutely. And um, senior ball invite as well, so he'll be one to keep a watch out for. Um, so hopefully, you know, he'll get drummed up again by his you know, personal story and things like that. But hopefully, you know, it can work in his favour that he can get some attention on him. Um, because yeah, like you say, super talented prospect, you know, really highly rated coming out. But uh, yeah, it's obviously had some bumps in the road on and off the field as well. And um, like you said, I'm sure we'll hear plenty about that, as Andy said, as, as the time moves on and as we get to the draft uh, weekend. So back on me then, uh, back to Alabama. And I'm going to talk about their guard, Deontay Brown. Um, obviously watched them both together, Landon Dixon and Deontay Brown. This guy is enormous. <laughs> Alabama list him as 350, uh, to, sorry, six foot four. Uh, so yeah, we're talking about one of the bigger, heaviest, heavier guys in the class, and he, yeah, he does play like it as well. Um, I've got my summary here. I've got Brown's a big-bodied boy with sand in the pants. Um, he's enormous. His thighs are really thick. He's generally really thickly built, and as I said, one of the heaviest and, and biggest guys available in the draft, especially you know at the top of the end of the spectrum anyway. Um, not just some super-sized guy out of a small college, obviously coming out of Alabama, playing on the top line. Um, through, you know, throughout his whole career because he's a senior as well. So, yeah, I think, as we mentioned for all these guys that we mentioned, a real top recruit coming out. He was the number nine prospect in Alabama, bearing in mind how much of a talent factory that is for high school football. And, um, no, sorry, I've got the long way around. The number five prospect in Alabama, the number nine guard um, in that year that he came out in 2017. So, yeah, like really talented prospect in high school. This is what we've, we've kind of been alluding to a lot of the time, this pedigree that these guys have got, the the, the top guys that we've been talking about. Um, as I said, with his size comes power, um, but also quick hands as well. So he's got this, uh, it's kind of a juxtaposition really, of being this enormous man, but with really quick hands when he kind of does some hand fighting with the defensive lineman. And a little bit like what Andy was saying about Trey Smith not being too balanced. I think Deontay Brown is really balanced. I don't think he gets caught out with things like that, with uh, you know, with quick hands and defensive linemen coming at him and, and trying to throw him off balance and going the other way. I don't think he really gets caught out by stuff like that. And he's the dictator when it comes to contact. I think he can redirect linemen with ease. Like I said before, an unreal anchor, and he barely budges when he's facing power as well. So he can combat both power with his enormous size and speed with his quick hands as well. So we're looking at um, a real top prospect here, I feel. And as we mentioned before, in terms of his intelligence and kind of picking up the blitzes, works really well as a unit. And his head's always on a swivel in the past game as well. So helping out Dickerson next to him is playing right guard a lot of the time for uh, for Alabama. Um, onto his weaknesses, versatility and his size, 
that could actually bring him down for a couple of teams because of his versatility. He's very much only played guard. He only played guard in high school, only played guard in, in college. So he's not got any versatility at all. Obviously, to kick him out to tackle because of his size, he could be a physical, imposing player, but might not have the foot speed, lateral mobility to, to work against real quick edge rushers in the NFL, but uh, can maybe do it in a pinch just because of his general size, a bit like Trent Brown or Mackay Beckton, just so hard to get around physically, then they kind of can slow down the, the defensive lineman anyway. Not super athletic when pulling again. So this, the Alabama tape that I watched, everyone was just running forward a lot of the time. There was a few pulling plays, things like that, but not generally something that they do a great deal of. So it's um, very linear again. So him and Dickerson looking very sort of straightforward in their run game and um, so I got taking care of the gaps in front of them and the guys in front of them. I talked about Dickerson being an asshole. I don't think John Say Brown's got that in him. He seems what I've described as more of like a doorman, kind of turning people away rather than being a backstreet brawler and kind of putting them into the ground. Um, so I feel like that isn't, it's not going to mark him down because obviously he does the job well, but he wouldn't get marked up in that nastiness and demeanor category um, that we've all kind of talked about. Um, so I just want to see a bit more nastiness from him. I feel like um, watching the Chargers over the past few years, there's too many nice guys in our offensive line. And I kind of want someone like Dickerson rather than Deontay Brown, albeit they're both both really good players. Um, like I say, I, I think we're all kind of in the same range here, more so from the maybe positional value, but another sort of day two pick for me, probably more to the second round. Um, we've got Wyatt Davis obviously dominating in the, in the first round potentially. Then there might be a little bit of a drop off to the other three, four guys that we mentioned. Maybe Creed Humphrey sneaking into the top, uh, the first round again, sorry. Um, but I feel like, yeah, day two, uh, round two pick for me in, uh, in Deontay Brown as well. So we'll move on then to our sleepers. And next, there's our five guys that we've uh, we've kind of gone through, real top quality guys. This is where it gets interesting, uh, looking for some sleepers. I think we've all had a bit of a struggle um, for this one. So here they come. Right then, who's going to be brave? Who wants to put their hand up, get you out of the way maybe, and uh, talk about some sleepers before? Go ahead, Andy, go for it. Man, I, I went, I initially... Uh, Narrowed in on my guy because he's got a fantastic surname. <laughs> Going uh, David Moore out of uh, Grambling State, uh, not the not the NFL talent factory you normally uh, look at. But but I really enjoyed watching his tape actually. Um, 2019 tape because he's like Southwestern Athletic Conference there, and they haven't played that this yet this season. I think they're going to have some games in the spring, so uh, obviously he won't be part of that having declared for the draft. Um, it's quite nice when when your coach comes out and describes you as the best offensive player on your team, but it's obviously very rare that it's normally the, the offensive guard that gets that that label. So that's the kind of guy we're talking about here. He's obviously uh, very well thought of, um, and you can kind of see why on tape. Um, very strong hands. Again, that strong punch I was just talking about um, before. But he really gets into the chest uh, of, of the on, on rushing defensive guys, and just and you can just see the pop as they, as they go backwards, very strong, and, and that's really 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 positive to watch. A uh, bit more of a mauler than, than the uh, than Smith uh, really finishes his reps, and, and like there's, there's so much tape of him just kind of pushing that pushing that rusher into the ground as he like, overcomes them and, and and wins at the point of contact. Um, this time round, great vision. Uh, spots the rusher and really like interesting to watch him handing people off. He pushes them down the line, no problem at all, and picks up that that new man. Uh, and, and really, kind of when there's a double team to be had, he goes and he goes and takes it on and has it. Um, a lot of short yardage speed for for like the position. Uh, gets out ahead of the screen pass, uh, identifies his man, uh, and kind of opens it up there. And, and it, you can tell he really enjoys doing that. He's like, uh, I've read a couple of interviews with him, uh, and he was kind of like, that's my favourite thing to do, is just get out and, and block for those guys. And, and the screen game is really fun for him. So that'd be interesting for the kind of new style, uh, like dink and dunk offense that we've, we've seen a bit uh, around the league. Um, and he's quite like uh, quite stocky, um, a bit more. He's six foot three, three hundred and twenty pounds. So quite stocky, but like uh, you know, but just very um, good centre of gravity is what I'm trying to get to here. Like you know, moves his feet around really well. Very quick feet, so he gets set uh, and, and can change direction quickly in pass pro. So I actually really rate this guy. I mean, I, I've got I've got him going out third to fourth round, uh, and I'm, you know I think he could go higher with his senior bowl invite. Um, the kind of cons on him, uh, there's a, it gets a bit grabby with his hands. Uh, you know at that level, there's quite you could see quite a lot of holding plays uh, on tape, which weren't called, but you know might get called at the next level. Um, 
sometimes struggles with the power side of his game. I think this is the major knock. Uh, struggles to anchor if he kind of loses that initial contact and get, just just has to drop off a bit and, and reset there rather than immediately uh, winning that battle uh, straight back. And, and then the kind of just the knock on the on the team rather than, than him really is the kind of strength of opposition they're playing. You're not seeing him come against uh, like you know, NFL caliber uh, talent every week. You're not seeing them come across uh, guys that are particularly bigger than him. Um, and so, um, you know, I'll be interested to see what he does at the senior bowl against the, the SEC and, and you know, the Big Ten kind of guys that are, that are quite highly rated on the other side of the ball. Yeah, it's a, it's a typical senior bowl kind of guy, isn't it? You know, out of a small school going up against some good and better competition. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see him come out because if he comes out, you know, we've seen... Players of in, in recent times, I remember Ben Barch last year came out, had a great senior bowl and really vaulted up everyone's boards in everyone's minds. So, yeah, it'd be, be interesting to watch him there and, and uh, see how he progresses. Yeah, I, I, I really like him for the, the reason that we've all said, especially mainly because of the level he's, he's playing at. I love finding the, the smaller school guys. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, because of the lower level competition haven't been playing uh, as much as they normally would be, you kind of, there doesn't seem to be as many as those sort of players um, around to to kind of watch at the moment and uh, yeah to to see him play I I agree I really liked his tape and uh, Andy mentioned like his height he does kind of play looks quite short but his uh, his hand placement and uh, ability to kind of block and push upwards and not just back get guys off of uh, off balance yeah he's he's a really good watch I really really like him um, again mainly coming out of Grampley State because of the level that he's playing at. Yeah, one to watch uh, for sure. I think maybe one of the better sleepers that we've got amongst us, I'd say. Rob, we'll come to you next. You're going to touch upon one guy, but you want to shout out another. Is that right? Uh, yeah, brief mention to the other. Um, as you did with with, with Bama, um, I'm going to do the same with, with my Irish. Um, take uh, two guys from um, the best offensive line in college football officially at pre-season and post-season um we you know you could take liam could take his dbu and stick it because we are officially of olu um over the last 10 years um <laughs> just going through the names of players that have gone through notre dame's offensive line zach martin quentin nelson ronnie stanley mike mcglinchley nick martin don't get no better than that so uh Here's the next best of the bunch. Um, and it comes in the way of a sleeper in Aaron uh, Aaron Banks. Um, the reason why he's a bit of a sleeper is because he's kind of like flying well under the radar. Um, he's not got much publicity until recently. He's just been given uh, a call up for the senior bowl um, because he's had a fantastic season. Going back to the very beginning with, with Banks, I watched a bit of his high school tape as well. And we've all watched the blind side, right? Um, and you, that that tape of um, oh god, what's the guy's name? Michael Owen. Michael, he, when he takes that defensive lineman and runs him all the way into the into the end zone, right? I swear on my life, Aaron Banks did this ten times. Like he literally just picks up the defensive lineman and just ran with him down the field. It is so good to watch. If you get a chance to watch his high school tape, he plays as a tackle at high school um, for El Cerrito High School in in California. He's 6'5", 330 pounds. This dude is a unit. He's absolutely huge. One of the biggest uh, guys in the draft, I believe, at 330. Slated to go day three uh, and depends where you look depends you know it's, it's different some people are saying it's going to go early day um, early in the day in the fourth round some people are saying it's going to slip right down to the sixth um i personally think he's a i think personally he's a day two talent um i i think he's one of these guys that have really flown underneath the radar um it's not perfect he's got certain certain things that need to be worked on in the nfl but like I said, right at the beginning, right at the top of the show, there are a lot of teams that need offensive line help. And I think offensive linemen are going to go earlier and earlier and earlier as we come through to the draft in, in the end of April. I think you're going to find that there's going to be a lot more O-linemen jump up the board. And I think Aaron Banks might be one of them. Um, I'll, I'll start with one of the one of the flags I believe throughout the draft process with Aaron Banks will be that he kind of needs to go on a team that's got an established O-line already. 
he's not going to be a guy that you can plug in and play and fix your O-line. He's a kind of guy that, I mean, he's been fantastic this year for, for Notre Dame, but he's had, you know, Eichenberg, Kramer, the, you know, the, those guys he's had with them to nurture him through the college process. They've come through as a unit. They've helped each other out. If he's failed on a blocking assignment, one of the other guys has backed him up. Um, he might need that in the NFL. He, I think he could be really, really successful. I think he will, but it all depends on where he lands. He's not going to be the kind of guy that fixes an O-line straight away. I'd love to see him in Indy. Uh, you know, I'd love to see him take over from Glowinski, who's the weak point in our offensive line. This is that'd be the perfect position for him because he's in an O-line with some great offensive linemen where he can build up himself and learn and, and develop his traits. Uh, and that will you know, then nurture him on to being one of the better guys. But if he lands in a place where they're kind of relying on him to be the next guy, I think he might struggle a little bit. So that's kind of the flat, the red flag for me. Having said that, it was the same coming into college. Like I said, it was very raw. Um, he, he he was so powerful coming out of college, uh, coming out of high school. But that's all he had. He had to nurture his other traits. He's done that. And this year... Um, we, there isn't too many stat-based categories for offensive linemen, but he's given up zero sacks this year and only 10 pressures on the quarterback, um, which is pretty damn good. Um, you know, but again, in a top offensive line, that's, that is the, you know, that is the result of that for him being around some, some guys who are fantastic. Now, um, he sat as a freshman. He spent the season on the scout team. Uh, then he played all 13 as a sophomore, uh, the last six as a starter. As a junior, he earned um, second highest pass block grade of the offensive line by PFF. We don't really like PFF, um, uh, <laughs> allegedly. Uh, but um, I don't know. I, I quite like PFF's offensive line grade. I don't think that's too bad when it comes to offensive line. Um, and, you know, he... He only allowed two sacks on 844 snaps in his junior year. So that's why he got there. Um, but like I said, in the senior year, zero sacks, only gave up 10 pressures. Um, he had ankle surgery in the spring of this year, in April. Um, and he had a surgery in May and made it back for week one and had no problems all year. That's a bit of a testament to his character, really. Um, so that, that was one thing I took away from him. Uh, pros and cons, I'll fly through these real quick. Um, pros. Uh, he's got a unique com combination of size, power, and athleticism. Um, I mentioned he broke his, broke his foot or made it back. Um, ACC Offensive Line of the Week after the Clemson game uh, back in November. He made all ACC team and senior bowls. Good instincts in the run game. <coughs> Excuse me. Swallow the fly. Uh, good instincts in the run game. Plants his feet well and stifles power rushes. Uh, he mirrors defensive linemen very well in pass protection. Um, he's always calm, never panics, fits in both power and zone schemes and is efficient in the passing game. Uh, the few cons that I've got on him, and like I said, there are a few more. This is why he's a sleeper. Um, he does have a tendency to play with high pad level, especially as the play goes on. His hands can be a bit inaccurate and poorly timed, but that aspect did improve last year. That was a big knock coming into the season. Um, he can rely on his size rather than using good technique, which is something that I said right at the beginning. I'm looking at these big guys how they use that size and i think aaron banks does use it well but he can use it better i think that's something that he needs to nurture that that kind of comes hand in hand in what i'm saying about him needing to go to a team that can nurture him in the position rather than him being ready for it um in pub protection his hands tend to drift to defend his shoulders um quite easily and he needs to just improve his footwork a little, little bit but Again, these things can be taught in the NFL and they will be taught providing he gets in the right spot. All in all, um, this guy could be a really good, really, really good sleeper. Um, he's come from, obviously, a good background at Notre Dame. Um, he's learned the ropes. He's learned them very well at the college level. He'll probably be able to learn them at the NFL level, hoping that he gets to a good spot and you could really see him being a, a really good guard in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, you've got some draftable talent on the Notre Dame line, haven't you, at the minute? Obviously, Eichenberg, yeah. which I'm sure we'll come on to uh, when we discuss tackles. Yeah. Um, Banks, uh, the, the guy I won't ruin it for you. And then Robert Hainsey as well. I really like him, actually. Mm. as another sleeper. You could have picked all three of them, I think. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, so I will mention Tommy Kramer. I, I, did, I haven't actually got anything written down for him other than the fact that he and Banks kind of go hand in hand, being the two interior guys, relying on Hainsey and, and Eichenberg to fix the problems if there were any. The only reason I took Banks was 
was because he had a slightly better 2020 um, and has found himself in the senior bowl. So I think that warranted being more of a sleeper than, than Kramer. But again, very good players that just got a few traits that need nurturing and a few uh, skills that need refining uh, at the next level. But um, both of them, yeah, four offensive linemen from Manchester are going to be in this draft. All four of them are going to be drafted. All four of them could well be great NFL players in a few years' time. Uh, interesting to see how Kyron Williams uh, and Co are going to get on next year for Notre Dame, considering <laughs> there's going to be a whole new uh, interior and exterior mm. on the line. Only the centre is staying, I believe, Jarrett Patterson. Mm. Yeah, that is going to be interesting, actually. But, you know, it's been such like a blue blood programme for offensive linemen, as you mentioned earlier. You know, I'm sure yeah. you've got some recruits sitting in there that are just waiting to come in and, and it'll be kind of like taking over and a new guard and it'll be, you know, yeah. going up with that hiccup thing. It's like Alabama taking next man up for wide receiver. It's like LSU taking up next man up for, for DBs. Mm. Um, it's the same for uh, for Notre Dame. I haven't done that much research yet, so thanks for putting me on the spot, but I'll, uh, <laughs> no, I'm sure well, there is. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, sure I, I'm not sure either, but through. like you say, it's a talent factory in that position. Yeah. So, so yeah, no, I'm sure they'll, they'll be absolutely fine. Liam, do you want to go next? Or do you want to, do you want to make me go? Go on, mate, go for it. Okay, I can go next. <laughs> um... I had a, uh, a late switch uh, on my sleeper. I was all uh, ready to go with Alec Lindstrom out of Boston College, who's the centre there. Um, and then uh, sounds like that uh, Boston College are kind of, uh, their offensive line have all decided to kind of, uh, together as one big unit, uh, stay at school. So like Alex Lindstrom, Zion Johnston, Tyler Vrabel, uh, Ben Petrula, all guys on that O-line have all, I think a good O line as well. Gonna, <laughs> They're gonna yeah, they go. out next year. And uh all of them uh the word is are all going back to school together, which uh like uh, what Rob was saying about the, the teamwork and uh that kind of being a, a group and deciding to stay as a group, I really like that. But anyway, it meant Alec Lindstrom off the table for me as a sleeper. Uh so uh I've gone with uh Tristan Hogue. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, um, out of uh, BYU. Um, uh, my second BYU sleeper, as I went with Matt Bushman when we did our tight end group, um, it's, uh, Tristan Hogue uh, is in the middle of the line for BYU. Um, six foot five, about 305 pounds. Um, in the high school, he was quite highly regarded and quite uh, known about and sought after. He earned honours throughout his time attending Highland High School in Idaho, and uh, it's included multiple first-team lineman awards in his time there. Uh, Four-star recruit and uh, had offers uh, from uh, schools in the Big Ten, like Northwestern, schools in the SEC, like LSU and Florida, uh, really sought after and actually uh, was recruited to Notre Dame uh, to be a part of that uh, train of O-linemen that Rob was just talking about that uh, play for the Fighting Irish. And he played six times uh, for the Fighting Irish before transferring to BYU. Um, he's got experience as both centre and guard. Um, played uh, all games in his sophomore season. Uh, since uh, then, uh, he's had uh, some injuries, which I'll get onto uh, in a bit. Uh, but uh, this season, uh, he did manage to play most of uh, the last half of this season playing at right guard. Um uh, playing and blocking for uh, Zach Wilson in pass protection. Um, on tape, it looked very good. Uh, the most recent game, uh, the Boca Raton Bowl, during this uh, bowl season against UCF, um, BYU um, blew them away. And uh, he looked really, really good in, in uh, all aspects, um, pass protection, uh, run protection. Uh, he shows really well in the run game. Uh, we've seen all year um, how BYU can run. Uh, I think they've uh, just noted down there they're fourth in the whole of the uh, FBS in rushing touchdowns. Um, guys like Tyler Algier, who leads the team in rushing, he's had some great plays that just running through the blocks of the O line. And um, Hogue is one of the guys right in the middle there. It's notably making lanes for him. Um, also, pass protection is good. Um, helps Zach Wilson have uh the season that he's had and rise up everyone's big boards allow him to do his thing i think that um the uh, byu line group have only allowed three sacks on wilson this year uh in terms of uh, hogue himself the hand placement is good he can certainly hold his ground 
uh, once he's uh, set. Um, can move guys back if they give him the chance. Good communicator again in the middle. Um, cons then I'll come on to what holds him back. As I said, he's, he's had a, a tough injury record for the last two years. Only five starts last year with um, a few um, lower body injuries. Uh, and then this year, um, started eight games. Um, but the season started quite badly for him. He was put on the COVID list. Uh, then he uh, rather dramatically caught pneumonia, uh, which must have been pretty tough for him. Uh, managed to come back from that, come back to uh, full health, as I say, to play the rest of BYU's season. Um, and hopefully those lower uh, body injuries have kind of uh, left him and he can kind of move away from those red flags now. Um, he's kind of uh, a lighter weighted uh, offensive guard and I've marked him down just be, uh, for a bit of a lack of movement. I kind of wanted him to be pulling a bit more easier, moving uh, up the field a bit quicker as well. Um, and he does look a little bit uh, of a slow mover. Um, I mentioned uh, with the uh, I mentioned the combine when talking about Creed Humphrey and I think it's going to be key for Hogue because uh, as I said back at the start of his career he was quite sought after coming out of high school and um, Injuries have kind of uh, scuppered him and kind of affected his stock, I think. I think he's a bit of a forgotten player. Um, but hopefully, once uh, the combine rolls around and uh, we go throughout the process, I think he'll start rising again because I think he's he's well worth a look uh, as an offensive guard. Yeah, perfect sleeper really, isn't it? You know, coming from off the back of a great season, you know, playing with a player like Zach Wilson, who, like you said before, has risen up the boards. Um, to have a you know, Hogue has a good season of his own. Um, so yeah, it, it's a good, it's a good shout for a sleeper, especially because you had to change at last minute after the Boston College guys opted to go back. Had to, um, yeah, had to act fast. <laughs> but he's, he is, uh, he's. A, I think there's a couple of guys the last couple of years that have O linemen that have been really affected by injuries, and uh, I just hope that he's, he's not going to be one of those guys because, like I say, the coming out of high school really, really sought after the sort of schools that were recruiting him. Mm. Um, and BYU obviously have had an excellent season. And um, again, that kind of camaraderie and uh, as a unit, the their lines worked really, really well. Uh, I mentioned, uh, yeah, Zach Wilson's passing game, but also the run game has been really strong. Um, I really think that there's something uh, with him to, uh, yeah, to build on. I think he can be a really good uh, uh, guard. He's got centre experience as well which uh, will help his stock yeah like i said before vital for these day three guys these sleepers to have that versatility you know it's going to help them stick on a roster at the end of the day um if you can play all three positions brilliant if you can play a couple then excellent i think if you can only play one position as a day three offensive lineman i think you might struggle to stick on a roster these days mm. and that brings me nicely onto uh, my sleeper who has played all five positions in his college career um, just because talking about that versatility. Um, I've got Cade Mays going back to Tennessee. Well, at the moment, going back to Tennessee anyway. Started off his career at Georgia, um, which is kind of strange, really, because as I was doing my research, came across that his um, dad went to Tennessee, played football. His brother is also at Tennessee. And then he <laughs> he got offered from Tennessee, committed to them, then decommitted and went to Georgia, um, which didn't work out too great for him because he returned after a couple of years, citing a toxic environment at Georgia, uh, and he applied for a transfer and got his waiver. So he's immediately be able to play um, as soon as he got to Tennessee. And he's been there for a couple of years now. And as much as, you know, we've been talking about players having great pedigree and things like that. I'm not hundred percent sure if Cade Mays has lived up to his, to be honest. He was the number three offensive tackle nationally in 2018 and the number one prospect in the state of Tennessee. It would have been a massive get for the Vols. Uh, but yeah, like I said before, decommitted and went to Georgia um, and got not messed around, I guess, but he, he was asked to play all over um, playing for the Bulldogs. And um, yeah, it's not really stood him in good stead. He's not really been able to make a position his own. And it, it made for a tough evaluation, actually. I've watched a couple of games of his because I was really struggling. As Rob said before, there's not a lot of 2020 tape available as of yet. Um, so I was actually going back to 2019, 18. Um, no, 2018 and 19 for some Georgia tape, which was made for a difficult evaluation because in one game he played centre against Missouri, one game he played in guard and tackle against LSU. So I didn't really get a chance to nail him down. But I think there's a lot, I think there's something there. 
Um, as I said before, he's got a, a lot of pedigree. And, you know, if we're looking at a guy who might not come out, might come out, but if he does, he's got that versatility. So I think he will stick around on the roster and be able to maybe make himself into more of a tackle or a guard or, or an interior defensive lineman, whichever one he kind of goes down. I guess it depends on the coaching that he gets, really. Um, but like I said before, he's got NFL size and he also has NFL dimensions as well in terms of his weight. He's six foot six, three twenty. That size in terms of his height does count against him. When I come onto his cons, I'll explain what I mean by that. Um, but yeah, he can redirect defensive linemen. He can really overwhelm defensive linemen. I think when he comes up against someone inferior than him, he really like enjoys himself. But he kind of goes into his shadow a little bit when he's coming up against someone who is maybe better than him. It's almost like he knows he's really good and really talented, but it almost feels like he doesn't put the work in for it. And when he comes up against someone equally as talented, he kind of gets, um, he kind of comes off second best. Coming on to his uh, weaknesses in terms of his size, six foot six is really tall for a guard. It's difficult to play with leverage, especially when you're popping up um, out of a lot of snaps. He seems to, as I mentioned before, with Landon Dickerson playing with great knee bend, Cade Mays doesn't do that. He kind of just like stands straight up out of his stance, and it just means that someone can get under his pads quite easily and drive him back. Um, and uh, yeah, we've seen this obviously in the past game and the run game with Tennessee, as mentioned, and with Andy before talking about Trey Smith. Although we did mention earlier on the season with Tennessee being a good unit, and I think generally they are a good offensive line. Uh, but this obviously, what I was watching was Georgia tape, and he was surrounded by good players as well. You know, Ben Cleveland's another guard who we could have mentioned in this episode, to be honest with you. And he kind of teaming up with him and playing next to him sometimes when he's playing, um, you know, guard and uh, sorry, tackle and center. Um, but yeah, another non-offensive lineman, sorry, non-athletic offensive lineman that we've kind of littered the episode with. Really, we're not not really seeing these guys who can get out these kind of sub two, uh, sorry, sub sub three hundred pound linemen. I don't think we've had one between us. Um, so we've got quite a lot of little, well, big plodders really, which uh, Cade Mays definitely seems like he was. I feel like he needs to just decide what he is. I think I feel like he'd better switching back to tackle perhaps with his size. Uh, packing on a bit more strength and uh, just sort of saying I'm a tackle that can play inside if in a pinch. Um, but yeah, super talented. Obviously, like I say, top pedigree. Um, I'm not 100% sure whether he should come out, to be honest. I think if he can get another season under his belt, get his senior season under his belt at Tennessee, uh, maybe it could do him some good. But then again, you know, he might want to capitalise on what has been a bit of an up and down college career and just get out and earn some money in the league. And like I said before, I feel like he will stick on a roster because of his versatility anyway. Um, so a bit of a mysterious um, evaluation, quite a difficult evaluation, actually. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I think there's something there. So I think he'll, we'll see him in the NFL uh, at some point. Go ahead, Liam. Yeah, um, something I was going to mention uh, that I've noted with Trey Smith, and now we're talking about Cade Mays of Tennessee, who can mention it, is that I think uh, we're knocking these guys for kind of their, their movement and um, kind of lateral movement on the line. But do you think that they kind of suffered with what I would call erratic quarterback play um, at Tennessee? Because <laughs> yes, it's, it's something that I've, uh, I did um, with the uh, Mike Leach offences at Washington State the last couple of years. I knocked O-linemen there uh, for them uh, having to play with Gardner Minshew and Anthony Gordon, who are guys that move around constantly and throw from different angles and different positions mm. and I kind of felt that watching uh, Trey Smith a little bit passing and thinking why he is kind of because he is a little bit positionally inconsistent and that maybe that was just what it is uh, that having to deal with a, the kind of quarterback play that Tennessee have had the last few years that's going to affect them in terms of their movement and yeah, I think it's a good point. Sorry, Andy, come on. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, uh, very good point, um, but also with the kind of style of play that quarterbacks are doing in the in the league now as well, then it's going to maybe translate to that as well. You know, you've got a lot of running quarterbacks and we've been emphasising how much they need to get out of the pocket, out of the pocket and stuff like that. So uh, unless he goes to the box and <laughs> can just kind of sit there for Brady <laughs> to just uh, <laughs> to resolutely stay in the pocket, then uh, yeah, obviously might, might plague him with that level as well. Yeah, it's a good point that, uh, yeah, in the NFL, it's a little bit more controlled, though, than, the, yes, the, yes, than what it's been at Tennessee, <laughs> where a, a guy is uh, literally running about third. Bye. I'm not going to be on your quarterback list, then, uh, <laughs> <laughs> No, he's not. <laughs> he's not very good, is he? <laughs> I mean, uh, D DTR at UCLA comes to mind as well. In last season, he's come on a bit this season, but last season... Um, yeah, watching uh, 
him move around the field just to complete first down plays. Really, really hard work for his O-line. Mm. Yeah, I'm also not here to talk about quarterbacks, but yeah, uh, DTR, yeah, really marked him down last year, but yeah, he has made some strides and he contributed to my quite mean grade on UCLA when <laughs> I was did my Pac-12 preview, but uh, perhaps we'll mention him in our sleepers section, although he's returned to school actually, hasn't he? Maybe we won't uh, talk about it. maybe next year. We don't have to talk about him for a whole year, that's yeah, great. <laughs> yeah, maybe he can come on again and he can work his way into the first half of our scouting podcast next year, never know. The way he's ascended this year, he'll be in for the Heisman if he improves <laughs> in next year. Mm, I'm not sure about that. He's still got Chip Kelly as his coach, hasn't he? Anyway, we stopped throwing shit around. Uh, let's get out of here. Um, yeah, really good podcast. Obviously, talk about some interior offensive linemen. Back on the, the defensive side of the ball next week, guys. Um, edge rushers? Oh, we've got to stick with the, the interior, haven't we? Oh, Dave? Oh, the edge okay. rushers, the sexy outside position. That's <laughs> lastly. <laughs> so we, we go, what, what will that make it then? Edge rushers, quarterbacks, and wide receivers to finish off. That sounds saving, good. Saving yeah, the that's best like it, doesn't it? So what defensive yeah. tackles next? Defensive tackles. All right. Yeah. Sticking with the big bodies inside. So yeah, there we go. Then I've been outvoted uh, three to one by the seams, <laughs> by the seams of things. Um, we'll, uh, we'll be with you next week talking about some defensive linemen. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. For all your football needs, check out our website, full10yards.com, or follow us on Twitter at full10yards CFB. And remember, keep those eyes peeled.